Welcome to the Kingdom Life Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Jamie Dixon. For more great content, visit klcmain.com. I actually want to talk about the most grossly demonic thing that's ever been mounted against your life. What, what am I talking about? Um, I, I, wanna, I wanna talk about the hidden layers of the demonic agenda to get us um, disappointed and discouraged. And um, I, listen, I've seen a lot of people fall from the Lord or stop walking out what God's called them to for a lot of reasons, but more, mostly from discouragement and disappointment. And um, we feel like it's just a, a current existential experience that we're having right now. Um, but it's not. It is it literally, the assignment of discouragement and disappointment against your life has literally been shaped and formed from the very pit of hell. And it is so confusing and it's so difficult to navigate because we feel like it's circumstantial, or, uh, circumstantial but, but it's actually entirely spiritual and demonic. And, um, and so we're gonna talk today about becoming entirely immune to disappointment and discouragement. Is that all right? Okay. Um, Joshua 7, in, in 30 minutes, we're going to get you all immune, all right? <clears throat> in Joshua chapter 7, I, I want to go over, um, there's, there's three things that cause, uh, there's three things that, ca- that mainly cause di- discouragement and disappointment in our life. It's um, resistance, setbacks, and delays. Uh, specifically, like in a really prophetic culture like we have, a spirit-filled culture where we are preaching a gospel of empowerment, you know, that um, it was the, uh, that, that Jesus uh, declared the power over sin and death and he put his spirit inside of you and then said, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Same spirit that raised you from the dead is living inside of you. Go and make disciples of all nations, even to the point where it says in Romans 8, all creation's groaning and waiting for the revealing of the sons and daughters of God because creation is subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of the one who subjected in hope that all creation would be delivered into the same liberty as the sons and daughters of God. All that to say is you're really important and really significant and there's a crazy call of God in your life and that call of God in your life invites you to dream with the creator of the heavens and the earth, to dream with him for kingdom dominion in every environment that you would be commissioned into. And every Sunday we preach this empowering gospel message saying go and take ground, go and take land, bring the kingdom of heaven wherever you go, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils and preach the kingdom is at hand. And when all hell is breaking loose, in your workplace, in your home, in all these different places that you go into, preach the kingdom of heaven is at hand and see the demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. Right? This is who you are. This is what we preach every single week. And because of that, you're being invited to dream with the creator of the heavens and the earth. You're being invited to dream for like incredible supernatural things that you could never do in your own strength. And you're living a life of faith, living and believing and expecting God to do these extraordinary things. The problem is, is that uh, inevitably on the process of in the journey of faith, there's going to be resistance, setbacks, and delays. And if we don't have actually the wisdom and the counsel of the Holy Spirit on what he's doing and how these things are happening and what's going on, we will entirely miss it. And, and we will actually, you know, I've said this in the past, I'll say it again, is that we'll build altars to our disappointment and change the trajectory of our life. <clears throat> and so we're not gonna do that. Yay. So I want to, I want to, I'm going to talk, I'm going to actually pull out two stories in scripture. We're going to go over these together because I want to give us solutions uh, to these seasons and what's going on. All right. 
In Joshua chapter seven, we have Joshua leading the nation of Israel. They've seen the cloud by day, the fire by night. Moses dies in the desert. God appears to Joshua and says, Joshua, my servant Moses is dead. It's time for you to get up, arise, and we're gonna go take the promised land, right? He says, do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. For everywhere your foot will trade, I've given you that land. Just don't stray from my commandments. Then he says, go into all the camp and I want you to tell the people, get ready. Sanctify yourselves today for tomorrow. I'm about to do amazing things. They take, they, they, the priests take the Ark of the Covenant on their shoulders. They step one foot into the Jordan to cross it into the land of Canaan, the promised land. They put one foot in and the rivers part. God is with them. The rivers part, the nation crosses into the promised land and they go in and then God says, you know, they circumcise a whole nother tribe. We've been through this before. And then uh, they come up to the walls of Jericho. Now, mind you, you've got one enemy with fortified walls and then you've got a group of wandering outcasts, former slaves with no homes. One has iron shields and, and, and swords. One has pitchforks and sticks. Let's be honest. They come out of the fortified walls of Jericho and God says, don't lay a hand. I'm going to win the battle for you. Don't touch any of the things inside of Jericho. They walk around, they march for seven days around Jericho. And the final day, the Lord says, lift your voice. And they shout, the walls of Jericho come falling down. Supernatural breakthrough. God said, don't worry about any of the giants or the battles in the, in the land because I'm going to fight them for you. And they, they beat Jericho. Next assignment, go to Ai. Ai is a small village. We just beat Jericho with a shout. Ai is nothing. They send a small delegation in and they lose the battle. Oh no. Something took place in Jericho that Joshua was unaware of, right? What happened was, is that there is misaligned desires in the camp. There is motivations and ambitions inside the camp that Joshua was unaware of. He's leading it with instruction and righteousness and great leadership, but there's some, there's a faction inside of the camp that had, it was out of alignment with what the Lord had said and done. And so Achan, a leader of his own household, saw the opportunity to take an accursed thing, gold. He takes it, hides it under his cloak, goes back, hides it in his tent. They go to Ai and the favor of the Lord lifts off of Israel and they lose the battle. Now, Joshua, I love this, ready? Joshua chapter six. So Joshua has no idea what's going on, right? No idea what's happening, but what happens here in Joshua chapter six is he comes to the Lord and says, now then Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until evening. This wasn't just like a, like a temper tantrum. I mean, the dude was like there all day, right? Then he and the elders put dust on their heads and Joshua said, alas, O Lord, why have you brought us over the Jordan at all? To deliver us into the hands of our enemies, to destroy us? Oh, that we had been content on the other side of the Jordan. We had it fine over there. I know it wasn't great, but it's better than losing, right? Oh Lord, what shall I say when Israel turns its back on its enemies? For the Canaanites, all the inhabitants of the land will hear of it and they'll surround us. Do you hear him telling the Lord, Lord, do you know what you have done? Oh, we're screwed now, man. Are you kidding? 
the rumor's gonna go out. We are not all that. This is bad. We're not strong. No one's afraid of us. If we had, can we just go back to Egypt, please? Why are we even doing this right now, right? The resistant and the setback, Joshua begins to ask, why am I here? What am I doing? What am I called to? Why do I do the things that I do? Joshua loses sight of the vision when he, he hosts confusion, discouragement, disappointment. He loses sight of the vision. And when we lose sight of the vision, we want to return to our former days of bondage. Because without vision, we will return to our last season of familiarity. It will be easier for us to go back to what we know than it is for us to pioneer a vision and a dream in our heart. This is why we go back. This is why we go to former things. We go to the things that aren't easy, that don't require hard work, the things that we are comfortable. I know exactly who to be. I know exactly what's going on. I know how to exist there. I cannot coexist in this place of disappointment and discouragement. When we host hospitality, or when we, when we are hospitable to the ideas, the thoughts, and the lies of confusion, um, we immobilize our calling and we reverse our direction. What Joshua didn't know is that in this moment, God was not mocking him. God was not um, hurting him. God was not wounding him. God was not a liar. God was dealing with something in the camp. And in Joshua chapter, it actually says um, in verse 10, so the Lord said to Joshua, get up, why are you on your face? Israel has sinned and they've transgressed my covenant, which I commanded, for they have taken some of the accursed things. Therefore, the children of Israel cannot stand before enemies when this thing is in their heart. So go and deal with it and sanctify the camp. And they go through and they search every tent and every leadership and every family and they go through everything. They make an inventory and they find the place that is out of alignment with the will of God, is, is out of covenant with God and they deal with it. And when they deal with that place that was operating for its own gain, for its own ambition, for its own way, when they dealt with that place of their nation and their heart, what, uh, the Lord comes to Joshua again. And what does he say? And the Lord in verse eight, do not be afraid, do not be dismayed. It's the same as Joshua one. He's saying the same thing. Do not be afraid, do not be dismayed. Take all the people of war, go to Ai. And I've given you the hand and the king of Ai. And then he says this, but this time, you know how I told you to not touch the gold? I told you not touch the cattle, to not take any inventory of the city. This time, take it all, baby. Have everything. Take the gold, take the cattle, take everything because we've dealt with something, right? In Joshua 8, the, the key to, to breaking confusion that was created by discouragement was to repent and to return, the reality is, is what I'm calling a setback or opposition is actually the Lord confronting my misplaced desires. So we, at times, we have an aching in our heart, humanistic desires, misplaced motives, ambitions. But my breakthroughs can't be about my prosperity. It has to be about his glory. It can't be about what it's gonna accomplish for my life. It has to be what's gonna accomplish for the kingdom. And so, so what's going on inside of me, it cannot be to protect myself, to promote myself, to create a safety for my own future. It's gotta be about his glory. And, and if God's gonna call us to something where we're gonna build his kingdom, he's going to purify the camps of our heart. 
And so sometimes we'll go through seasons where he goes, don't touch this, don't do this, don't do that. And literally what he's saying is, is currently in your current condition, you can't contain the blessing that I want to pour out in your life, so don't touch it. And what that does is it creates a pressure cooker where it causes things to be confronted in our life. And in the confrontation, there's an opportunity to deal with something that increases our capacity for what he really wants to release, and that's actually prosperity and breakthrough. Oh, he wants you to have the gold of Jericho. Oh man, he wants you to have the favor on AI. He wants you to have the prosperity of the nations. He wants you to have this. He wants you to have that. But he will not release something that you cannot steward. And so he'll actually say, don't touch it. Don't do this. Don't do this. And it's literally a pressure cooker. And we go, oh, we get so discouraged. Resistance and setbacks is warfare. Call the intercessors. Right? And it's like, it's warfare. It's actually the Lord is training and equipping your heart to steward what he wants to release on your life. Oh, he gets so discouraged. You don't even know he's training your hands for more. Right? <clears throat> Here, here's the important thing to understand is why does he make it so complicated? It's kind of frustrating, right? God who can do anything, why does he make it so complicated? Are you ready? I'm, 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 this is good. You got to write this down. I'm about to say it's really good. Write this down, please. <clears throat> my story is my testimony and my testimony will become the lesson plan that I disciple nations with. What's important is, is it illegal for me to go through seasons with the Lord and not extract a testimony that will become the economy and the resource that I give to another generation or to another believer that I give away and I make disciples. Your sole assignment as a believer is to make disciples of all nations, to reproduce what God has done in your life in other people. If you're not making disciples, you're not actually doing your calling. What you're called to do is make disciples and God will do that in many places, in many, in many ways and in many spheres, in many areas of influence, but you're called to make disciples of all nations. And so what's important is, is you have to go through seasons and extract the truth and the testimony of what's been done for you because it will become the lesson plan that you will give to another generation or to the people that God's called you to raise up if you don't have the story that you don't have the resources to make a disciple with. Does that make sense? My current revelation and process will become the economy to my future calling and making disciples. It's so important that we are actually, you know, it, it's, it's, fun, it's funny when you first get married, I said this in the first service, and I'll say it again, it's, it's so crazy, you know, like we could look at our, our parents when you first get married and you go, like, they have like a four bedroom house and they have like brand new cars and you go like, we're married. We need to have the four bedroom house and the, and the new cars in the we get this anxiety and worry, like, we're not where our parents are. We got to catch up, right? And then you go to mom and dad and you're like, how did you get there? And what do you do? And they go, ha, 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 ha. Let me tell you about raising four kids in a single bedroom home. We had to, you know, we had to ride the bike. You know, you didn't even have a car. We had to ride the bike. And the bikes were not what they, what they are now. They're not those motorized, like, you know. We had actually like a single gear broken bicycle and and I, if I missed the timing I'd run I'd run right over that train it would hold me for hours I'd be late to work I'd stay late I'd come home in the wee hours of the morning with some rice for my kids and you guys you guys know what I'm talking about right and then you go like well how did you get here faithfulness son I worked my butt off they have a story 
They extracted who they are today. Why? So they can give them away to you so it will protect your heart from discouragement. It'll protect your heart from disappointment. It'll protect your heart from making wrong decisions and setting up a good future for your family. Save it now because there's days of greater need coming and they'll teach you how to actually prosper in your way. Listen, these stories are the same ones that we give away to the disciples that we're making. The people that we're raising up here, I need you to teach you a lesson. Don't get discouraged. Don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. Let's submit your heart to the Lord because he wants to deal with something that's out of alignment. I got this story. Let me tell you what God did in my life when I did this. It's important that we actually extract this testimony out of every season of life. Uh, Go with me to Exodus chapter 32. Exodus 32. Uh, When we face resistance and setbacks, we have to repent and return to the Lord and what he's saying and he's doing in our life. Maybe one of the hardest things... um, that we, we all face is, is actually having a dream with God and then going through delay. And um, I, I'm gonna actually talk on this from two different experiences in the same story. And um, one is the disappointment, discouragement that's created on the nation of Israel from the delay of Moses. And then I'm gonna talk about, um, and then the actions of Israel so disappointing <laughs> Moses and the places that it, it took him. Um, in Exodus 32, we have Moses is like, is on Mount Sinai. The mountain they're all terrified of. Like goats go near it and they're struck with lightning and die. And, and everyone's like terrified of Mount Sinai. Clouds are shaking. And they watch Moses and Joshua go into the scary mountain, right? And they go up the mountain of the Lord and they meet with God. And he goes, I'll be back in this, in this many days, right? I'll be back at this time. God's gonna give me instruction for our nation to lead us through the, through the desert. And... Um, he doesn't, he's just not back on time. He's late. God, God was taking his time with, with, with Moses. And it says this in, in chapter 32. Now, when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, everyone say delay. The people gathered to Aaron. This is a hilarious story. I don't know how this actually played out, but this is just hilarious and terrible at the same time. And said to him, come, they go to Aaron and they go, all right, Moses is late. Come and make us gods that shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we don't know where he is. So Aaron said, break off the golden earrings. No hesitation. Take the gold off of your ears. Get off your wives, your sons, your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off their golden earrings, which were uh, on their ears, and they brought them to Aaron. And as Aaron received the gold from their hand, he fashioned it with an engraving tool and made a molded calf. And they said to him, this is your God. And then he says, he says to Israel, this is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. So when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it and Aaron made a proclamation and said, tomorrow is a feast to our God, the Lord. And then they rose early on the next day and offered burnt offerings and, and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink. And the Lord at that time said to Moses, go and get down there for your people who you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. And they've turned quickly out of the way which I've commanded them. And it says that when Joshua and Moses came down, Joshua goes, I hear the sound of war. It's not like tragedy and screaming. It's not the clanging of metal but I hear singing. Isn't it interesting? He's like, I hear singing, but it doesn't sound good. It sounds like war. 
And he hears the sound from the camp and they come down and Moses sees them like singing and dancing to this golden calf. And he goes to Aaron, he's like, what the heck, dude? And Aaron goes, I just dropped gold in the fire and it came out like this. He, 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 yeah, that's right. Sounds like your two-year-old, your three-year-old, you know, your four-year-old. I don't know, you know? And Moses gets upset and he throws the, the tablet down and breaks it, right? Listen, what's really important we have to understand here is that, first of all, um, Israel is disappointed in the timing of Moses and Moses is disappointed in the, um, in the response of Israel, but the reality is, is that how many of you guys know that in this in grand, glorious call of God in your life, you are going to be called to interact with people? It's the great downfall of your calling. Because I love your calling, but man, people can be difficult. It's the great stumbling block between you and what God's called you to do. I, I've been called to preach the gospel power, but you guys have to receive it. Darn you. You know, it's, I've been called to do this, that, and the other, and y'all just aren't doing it. And there's, there's so many things that we can look and we say people are in the way, but no matter how disappointing the people around you are, we cannot weaponize our disappointment in other people as excuses for our responses. Ooh, that's a good one. No matter the disappointment that you experience with other people, no matter how they influence and impact your life and the call and the trajectory of the call of God in your life, we cannot weaponize our disappointment as excuses for our responses. And so here, Moses, <clears throat> he, he, um, he's so discouraged. Um, and Israel, you know, uh, Israel has, has seen the delay and they're discouraged and they, they jump ahead of God's timeline. And listen, I, I, don't, I don't care what you call it, but if you build anything with your own hands and replace the timing and wisdom of the Lord uh, with your own strength and resources, it will become an idol. And you might call it accidental. I, I probably, I actually really believe that Aaron's like, dude, I had no idea what was going on. It, it just happened. I'm so sorry. But the reality is, is that in the discouragement and the delay, when they jumped ahead of the Lord and they're like, you're not gonna do it, I'm gonna do it. And they begin to fashion something out of that disappointment and delay. I don't care if it's work. I don't care if it's finances and family. When we take matters, when God's called us to do something and we take control of the moment saying you're not doing it fast enough or doing it the right way, no matter what that thing is, it will become idolatry in our heart because what we build and what we shape will have to serve. And when we're serving things that we've built on our own strength, when we're building things that we've done in our own way, it will become an idol in our life and we will serve it and it will become a bondage to us. <clears throat> and it might feel accidental, but it's still an idol. If God ordained it, God has to perform it, uh, perform it. Many of us are lacking. I really believe that many of us are lacking evidence of God's involvement in our life because we're, we're not willing to wait for his involvement in our life. Many, many of us, you guys realize that, 
that, um, that the supernatural occurrences of God's movement in our life are deeply connected to our faith, which is not just belief, but it's actually many people wrongly believe that faith is believing. Faith is not believing. Faith is responding to what you believe is true. God's able to provide. I will make space for him to provide. Every time you give like generously of like finances to the church or to people or to whatever's going on, you are giving in faith because you're saying, what you're saying is, I don't only believe that you can provide, I'm gonna actually put my faith and attach my faith to movement to respond that you provide for my family. And I'm gonna sanctify the finances of my household by actually declaring an act of faith, you're going to move on our finances supernaturally, right? When we, faith is not just do, is not just believing, it's actually doing something about what we believe to be true. And so when we're living in a posture of faith, it says, I'm not gonna do it in my own strength. It has to be the Lord. I'm going to wait. I'm going to give this time. I have learned in my old age now, very old age, um, is that I have a tendency to run ahead of the Lord, um, especially in problems. Um, I'll get that email or message, so-and-so said so-and-so and said da-da-da-da-da, and they said this about you, and I'll go, no, somebody has an issue with me. I'm going to go run and save face right now, and I'm going to defuse every lie, and I'm going to go to every person and deal with everything and do this and do this and do this and do this, and I have found that I only made it worse. <laughs> Holy cow. And then other people are getting blasted because they shared information and now there's gossip. It wasn't gossip, it was this, it was that. that. Ah, Now it all looks toxic and everyone's smeared and oh, this is awful. Anybody? Oh yeah, oh man. But I have found that when this stuff comes to me that I can actually sit before the Lord and go, well, man, Lord, you are the defender of my heart. And I have watched things get diffused now before I chase them down over and over and over. And then not only that, but not only did God diffuse it, but God brought stuff to the surface that could actually become glorious moments of victory and breakthrough in their life because they were actually operating out of fear. And then people will come to me and go like, I am so sorry this happened. I realized I was triggered and feared and now God's healing me of that place. And do you realize that if I had rushed in, I only would have become a perpetrator of that fear? and not actually a facilitator of healing the fear? Oh man, I I don't just get to win at AI, I also get to have some of the bounty of AI. The gold, take it all, like bring people into healing and victory and breakthrough. My my point being this, is, is that, um, many of us are lacking the evidence of God's involvement in our life because we're literally not waiting for his involvement in our life. We have a tendency of running ahead of the Lord and getting our hands on everything. And all it requires is an act of faith saying, Lord, I trust you. You can deal with this and you can move on this. Um, so here's the second thing that happens. Um, is that Moses comes down and he's like, ah, oh, flip. These guys literally ran from the Lord. You guys realize like manna from heaven and, you know, like uh, the plagues. Um, You guys remember like the waters parting and um, more than once and like rods being turned into into snakes and rods being turned, like dead rods, like staffs walking stuff turning into flowers and, you know, like cloud by day and fire by night. You guys have all witnessed this stuff. I was gone for an extra day and you all turned to a golden calf in your own strength. Quite disappointing, right? So discouraged in the people. And all of a sudden, Moses posturing heart saying, am I the only one? Am I the only one? Am I the only one that is faithful to the Lord? 
Is there not a people that will run with me? And Moses is having this, this moment of, of breakdown. You know, I think one of the things that is very tempting when we go through discouragement with other people is that when we feel alone from disappointment in people, um, or, or we feel like we've been disappointed in the way we've been treated, or we've been disappointed in decisions that other people have made and how it's affected us, we can then forfeit ideals of like community in our life um, because we feel validated by the disappointment. And there's this immobilizing thing where um, isolation is usually this like self-fulfilling prophecy that we create in our own. And oftentimes what happens is that we feel like everybody around us is not on the same page or people are unsafe and wound us and all these different things. And so we will actually remove ourselves. They did not remove themselves. We removed ourselves from community. And then we actually blame everybody else around us for the lack of community in our life. And Moses in this moment is incredibly disappointed, but Moses cannot remove himself. He's been called to lead a nation in a unified manner into the promises of God, right? Now look around you. Don't just look at me. Look around you, right? Like, I can see you. Like, look around. Okay. We have a, we have a Bills fan over here. You can see that, you know, and... I mean, <laughs> that was good. <laughs> uh, I'm a Cowboys fan. I can't, I can't talk. Yours is a little bit more hostile, same conference. But, um, but listen, you, when, when we're like doing church together, we, we really could just kind of do the whole sterile, stay in your lane, uh, just say hi to each other, move on, kind of play the game, right? I don't want to do that. I actually want to build family, life, and history. And in order to build family and life and history, and it means that we have to pursue each other's hearts. And the reality is, is that inevitably we're going to disappoint each other. And we're going to disappoint each other and we're going to fail because in order to build family, there has to be vulnerability. And when we get vulnerable, we find out things, we operate in ways that is really disappointing. And these could be glorious opportunities to actually like dig in and actually like grow together. But we usually try to hide them and run and break relationship and all that kind of stuff, right? And we isolate ourselves or we move on or we create ideas about the community around us or we create these like huge stories about people and it's unsafe. I mean, as no, a church is, is, is uh, going to be safe, not because you won't experience troubles, a church will be safe because when you experience troubles, there will be a people that will fight for connection with each other, right? And so <clears throat> I want this church to be safe and we have to do community together. But the temptation is, is that when we face those disappointing moments, will we forfeit the ideals? Will we forfeit what it takes to build community and fight for each other and isolate ourselves? Or, or, or will we isolate ourselves? Um, I, I've watched people even pursue the Lord and they're bright and they're hot and they're wild and everybody around them is so apathetic. And instead of being a pioneer of zeal, they'll actually succumb to the apathy of the people around them because they'll get so disappointed by the people around them. They'll actually just begin to blend in instead of like stand out. We cannot forfeit the ideals that God's called us to and we cannot forfeit the pursuit of community and leadership and pioneering and move of God in our community if, we, um, if, if God's called us to it, we can't forfeit it. So what's the solution? So Moses looking at this moment of disappointment and he sees an issue with the camp and the people. I'm almost done. You guys okay? Yeah. And Moses then takes a tent and he walks outside of the camp. 
and he puts a tent far away, visible, but far away. And he goes, this is the tent of meeting. You guys need to leave your houses. Leave that like inbred community that we've created of like orphan mentality and fighting and weirdness and fear. Leave that community for a second. Come outside of the community and come meet with God in every need that you have. And then go back. And he creates this tent of meeting, this place of meeting with God. And literally a cloud of smoke and fire would fall in that tent and they would come and meet with the Lord. Why was this important? Because under, like the, under the cloud of disappointment, discouragement, all we can see is the problems. But when we step outside of that environment and meet with God, we actually look on the camp, we look on the situation, we look on people with God's perspectives instead of our pain. And what's important is, is that we have to have places of meeting with God outside of community. We have to have a place with the Lord because if this is the only place and your perspective of God is equal to the perspective of the people around you, you will have a disappointment, not only with the people around you, but with God himself. And you'll live in such confusion that you'll actually start to be like, if you act this way, God acts this way. And it creates this weird enmeshment with our faith in God. And so when you disappoint me, my faith goes because I've attached you and God and everything's all mixed together. If I don't have a place of meeting with God outside, I will actually look at your problems as toxic and I'll feel vulnerable to it. But if I'm meeting with God, I'll get his perspective and I'll see the places where you're really disappointing. And I'll actually say, you're not really disappointing. Actually, God's gonna do something. He told me that he's gonna move on your life because you have an extraordinary call and we're gonna pursue it together, right? It's a place of strength and victory where we get the mind of God for each other and we actually fight for each other. Because the father's not worried about the things that have really got you down. Is this making sense? And so actually, so Moses, what Moses does, he sets up this tent of meeting. And then when he sets this aside, God calls him away and he goes, God, show me your glory. I mean, this is immediately after God creates this moment. God then gives him a visitation and he sees the glory of God and, and he starts to shine like the, the radiating glory. We all know this story, right? He's shining and he comes back to the people and the people can't even handle the brightness of God's glory. Moses sets up a tent of meeting and then he becomes the visitation to a people that changes Israel in that moment. This is really important because if you are looking around and you're seeing disappointment in community and people and things, we're, we're gonna say like, I've become a victim of like, of, a, of an environment or of a community or of a people or friendships, or you could say, I'm gonna become a visitation and bring change to the world around me, to the people around me. Maybe you're like, people don't show up in my time of need and you become a visitation showing up people's times of need and you actually become a pioneer in a community and you become a pioneer of something that you feel like is ma- missing. Maybe everyone around you is just so apathetic and you're like, oh, this dang community, so apathetic or set up a tent of meeting until you start shining. Show up shining until everybody starts like glowing around you. You guys hear what I'm saying? <clears throat> Maybe your moment of disappointment is actually an invitation to an encounter. Uh, listen, the, the reality is this, and this is where I'm gonna end, it is, um, it is I, I think that the reason why the enemy has tried to confuse us to think discouragement and disappointment are the things that cause discouragement and disappointment are like really negative and really bad and they're worth like stopping running after Jesus for. <laughs> it's kind of funny when you say it, <laughs> but I mean, that's what happens. 
And we, we say it's like it's worth stopping. It's worth being immobilized by. It's worth going backwards for. I just want to go back to Egypt and I want to do this, I want to do that. But the reality is I think that the, it's a lie of the enemy. It's a facade that's been created because these are actually divinely created moments where God is working something out. He's increasing your capacity. He's doing a deep inward work inside of you. He's increasing your capacity for what he has ahead of you. And if we don't have the proper mindset and understanding of how to engage the Lord in these moments, then we'll succumb to discouragement where, where I really believe that God actually wants to make us immune to discouragement and actually learn how to engage the process of growth. Is that all right? All right, why don't you guys stand with me?